How many of you, when you were growing up as just a kid, right, how many of you wanted to be a slave when you were growing up? No, you want to be a firefighter, you want to be an astronaut. Little girls grow up, and, and they still, even in the crazy world we live in right now, little girls are growing up and they want to be mommies, right? But when we're growing up, we don't grow up thinking, I want to be a slave someday. We just don't. Yet, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to some believers, Christian brothers and sisters in this region called Galatia, and he has to ask him that very question. Do you really want to be a slave? He says in Galatians 4.9, do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? In other words, are you seriously wanting to be a slave again? He's having to ask these Christians that question. Today we continue our study of Galatians, which is titled, The Gospel, The Whole Gospel and Nothing But the Gospel. So help us God, amen. Amen. The title of today's message is, I want to be a slave, said no one ever. I want to be a slave, said no one ever. I'm going to dive right into point one. Point one is the strange allure of slavery. The strange allure, this strange pull, this strange, this strange thing that we, we seem to lean towards slavery. It's easy to get sucked in to slavery. And let's check it out in Galatians 4, beginning in verse 8. Galatians 4, verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, and or rather, you're known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? We are slaves to what we worship. We become slaves to whatever we give ourselves to. Worship God, and you're His. You become a slave to righteousness when you give yourself to God. You become a slave to, to freedom, remembering that His yoke is easy, His burden is light. In fact, even as we talked about last Sunday, when we talked about sonship, how we're sons and daughters now in Christ Jesus, how we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Um, being a slave to God is, is, is really like no other kind of slavery. It, it's being a son. It's being a daughter. It's being adopted into his family. And look, we're slaves to what we worship. We are slaves to what we give ourselves to. While giving ourselves to God is life-giving, I mean, we become alive, truly alive. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that to the full. So when we give ourselves fully and wholly to God, we truly, for the first time ever and for always in Christ Jesus, actually come alive and are alive. If we give ourselves, though, to others, and to other things, we become slaves to those things. And our life just gets sucked right out of us. 
Death remains. Bondage is the result. We become slaves. Slaves. False gods can be sneaky. Things that want to be, you know, your slave master. It can, they, can be, they can be sneaky. And some of you, I'm, I'm sure all of you could have a testimony that relates to that in some way. There are, there are things in life, there are forces in life that disguise themselves as good things and they suck you in and you end up giving your life to them and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you go, I think I'm a slave to this. And sometimes it can be good things, like a career. A career is a good thing. A, a job can be a good thing. We were created, even before the fall was work, and the call to, to be good men and women who, who work hard. Jobs are a blessing. It's an honor to work hard, to have a good work ethic, to work as unto the Lord. But it can get sideways pretty fast. And we can start to give ourselves, first and foremost, to something good like a job and to a career. And we can find ourselves in that place where it's, hey, you know what? This is pretty much my identity now. And it's a good thing. And I need to do a good job at it, so I'll just work longer and longer. I'll sacrifice more and more at the altar of my career. And before you know it, the life God had for you got sucked right out of you. And you became a slave to something. We become slaves to what we worship. We become slaves to what we give ourselves to. Before I get back to Galatians, I just want to talk about this a little bit. I mean, I want to... Entertainment can be a big thing that we can give ourselves to. And next thing you know, we can become its slave. I'm going to step on some toes right now. I don't know. The Cardinals are probably playing today. Maybe they're playing right now. Maybe that's where people, the people are just calling in sick, right? But they're really sitting there watching the Cardinal game. I don't know. But, but things that, that can be good, that can be entertaining, innocent-seeming pastimes can end up taking more and more of our lives until we become its slaves. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I can say this because I don't do this. I got other issues, so I'm just going to point out your issues, you know what I mean? I got my own issues, right? But you all got your own issues. You know, there's some guys in here, they love football. I like football, okay? I was wearing a Baylor Bears football, you know, shirt yesterday, right? I like football. You know, sick and Bears. I don't think they played yesterday. They played, I think, Thursday or something like that. But anyway, um, but, I mean, watching a football game isn't a bad thing, but but. But man, you got to be careful that you don't become slaves to being guys who just watch football. Because here's what it can happen. It can go from, you know what, i got a team I like to watch once a week, which is already four, maybe five hours of your time in a week, right? That's a lot of time. To, i got also, i got a college team I like to watch and a pro team I like to watch. And you know what happens? Then the NFL gets this idea because... You know, there's a little bit of the world in the NFL. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But they get this idea, you know what? We got them more than, we want them more than just watching two games. We want to suck them in for the entire weekend. And so they came up with a scheme called what? Fantasy football, right? 
And now you can't just have a favorite pro team and a favorite college team. Now you've got members of your fantasy football team that are all over on every other team. And so you've got to watch every single game all weekend long and Monday night and Thursday night and, and, and in order to keep up with your fantasy football team because you're an important coach, you know, and, and you need to keep track of your team and all that. And so something that was just entertainment became pretty sneaky and just sucked you in and, and you became a slave. To something. <laughs> Happy birthday, brother. <laughs> Social media, I'll go ahead and say it. Social media likes to be my master. It wants to be my, it used to be my master big time. And I would get sucked into social media. I mean, raise your hand. Anybody else with me on this? Anybody else have an issue with that? All right. Where you get on social media, next thing you know, it's 30 minutes later. And you're just scrolling down, looking at nothing, stupid stuff, waste time, wasting stuff. Some of it's just pure wrong and evil kind of stuff. And you just get sucked in to this kind of a thing, right? And so what do you do? I mean, I don't know if you do this, but this is what I've done. So I go and I'll delete Instagram from my phone. I'm like, I can't have this here, man. I'm getting this off of here, so I'll delete Instagram. And then, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, you got to post something because people got to know you're still alive. And this is kind of a cool picture of, of you and your family. You know, you all went to California, and this is neat. So i got to put Instagram back on my phone in order to post this picture so everybody knows that, that, yeah, everything's great with Eric and all. And next thing you know, what is it? It's on my phone again, and it's sucking me right back in. And it's 30 minutes later, and I'm just scrolling through garbage. Not that your posts are garbage. I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's like that Godfather um, scene in there where it's like, you know, I, I try to get away, but it keeps pulling me back. You know that? I don't know if you're, anyway, don't, again, don't watch that movie. But anyway, I just, but it does. There are just things in life that just keep pulling you back in. And next thing you know, you're a slave. By the way, a couple years ago, I was all over social media. I would say happy birthday to everybody. I would like and thumbs up and all this kind of stuff, all your posts, and, and I would be following you, like all that kind of stuff. And don't think that I don't love you anymore because I haven't been doing that for the last eight months or so, all right? I'm just trying to get out from under this slave called social media and get a little bit of my life back, all right? A little bit of my sanity back. Um, and so that's all it is. I love you. Happy birthday, everybody. And um, I like, you know, whatever God stuff is going on in your life, okay? So it's all good. Thumbs up on that. But we're slaves to what we worship. Slaves to what we give ourselves to. Let's, let's go back here to Galatians 4. Check out the weak and miserable forces that the Christians in Galatia were giving their lives to, that they were returning to, that they were becoming slaves of. These are the weak and miserable forces that the Apostle Paul is talking to these Christians about. It says in verse 10, you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. And Paul says to these believers, I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Our initial reaction is, dude, what's up? That doesn't sound like such a bad thing. I mean, they're just returning to religious stuff. It's not like they're, they're, they're on their cell phones back in Galatia looking at porn or, or involved in paganism or voting for liberal progressives or anything like that. They're not doing stuff like that. They're not doing crazy stuff. 
They're just returning to some religious practices that they used to be part of. Here's the problem. Instead of keeping their hope, this is, this is at the core of the issue that Paul is addressing here. Instead of keeping their hope in the finished work of Jesus, it is finished. Instead of that, these, these Christians were being lured back into legalism. Legalism. Legalism is slavery. That's a big point that Paul is is bringing up in this this letter called Galatians. Legalism is slavery. They were falling, these, these believers were falling for a lie that the only way that they could really know they were saved, the way that they could prove that they were saved is by jumping through those religious hoops that they used to jump through. That's how I'm going to know I'm saved. That's how I can prove that I'm saved. So instead of worshiping and enjoying God, they went back to worshiping what God had given them, which was the law. There we are. We're back at that same message that we've, we've had for the first three chapters of Galatia. These believers who were set free who were brought out of death into life. These believers who are walking by the Spirit now. These believers who could hear the voice of God were returning back to worshiping the rule book instead of worshiping the ruler. We worship what we give our attention to, what we give our lives to. And the rule book was important. The rule book was the law, and it was important, but it was never intended to be worshipped. The rule book, remember, we've talked about this over the past several weeks. The rule book is there to point people to the ruler. The rule book, the law is there to point people to the reality that they are lost, that they are sinners, that they need a Savior. That's the purpose of the law or the rule book. And it had done that in these people's lives. Because again, Paul's writing to Christians. So the law had its effect on them. It did its work. It pointed out their utter sinfulness, their complete and utter need to be saved. And so they turned their attention, their lives, their hopes, their dreams, their future, their faith, their belief, their everything, they turned to Jesus and received His work that did what their work could never do. And that saved them. Saved them. But then they went back to the law. I wrote this down this morning. Is that these believers, they used to be law followers. 
And then the law led them to Jesus. Because remember, the law isn't bad. It has a purpose. They were law followers. The law led them to Jesus. Now they were Jesus followers. See the progression? But then they were going back to, well, but wait a minute. We're kind of familiar with that whole law follower thing. And these other religious folks around us are saying, yeah, the whole Jesus thing, whatever, but, but you've got to have the law follower part still in it. It still needs to be where your attention is. And Paul's like, guys, come on now. I'm fearing for you. What, you. what is wrong with you? How many of you use maps on your phone? I use it all the time. My wife can't stand it when she has to run the map, and then I'm like, oh, wait, look it up here. Y'all, husbands and wives ever run into that? It's like, you know, you ever run into that? Yeah, I got a wife like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, we just get a little stressed out is all it is. You know, that's, that's it. So we love you, wives. We love you very much. Thanks for, for being our co-pilot and, and helping us out with that. But, you know, so like if y'all invited me over for dinner some night, and you're having an amazing barbecue dinner um, or Mexican dinner. I like both of those. But anyway, if that were to happen, something like that, um, and I would say, well, what's your address? Because I want to know how to get there, right? And so you give me your address. I'd ask you to text it to me so I don't have to, like, type it all in and everything because, you know, I mean, why not, right? You probably already have it. Just text it to me. I get it. What do I do? I open up your address in my Maps application it opens up in Maps, and then I, I say, go, right? Hit the green button on my phone, and I say, I say go. And then Siri, I, she's so annoying, she starts telling me what to do. Another woman telling me what to do. You know what I mean? No, listen, my wife does not do it, by the way. That was just a joke. She is wonderful. And if you know her, you know I'm joking. If you don't know her, then you think I'm a horrible guy. But anyway... Um, just saying. So Siri gets on there and says, okay, in quarter mile, take a ride onto Guadalupe, you know, and so I start following the map, right? And so the map has a purpose. I'm following the map. I'm following, the, go left here, go here, and in 100 feet here, you've arrived, right? And so I stop the car, I get out of the car, I knock on the door, there you are, you open the door, oh my goodness, the barbecue smells amazing, it's incredible, um, and I get there, and then I walk in the house, and, and I just still keep my eyes on the map. And I just keep watching the map and wondering what's going to be next. And that would be odd, wouldn't it? That would be rude, actually, wouldn't it? I mean, I've arrived. I'm there. I'm at your house. You prepared a table for me, a feast for me. And there we are face to face, and I just keep my, my head in the map application. No, what am I supposed to do at that point? The map has done its job. It's got me to your house. It's got me to the banqueting table, if you will. My job at that point is end route, turn it off, put it away. It's done. I don't need the map anymore. I'm there. It's that way with the law as well. The law leads us to the banqueting table. It leads us. To, to Jesus. And when we arrive, we can hit en route. We don't need it anymore for that. Now, we're going to go into, some people attribute, you know, the law is like obedience and it's, and it's don't murder and don't do adultery and you don't need to worry about that. You can just do whatever you want to now that you come to Jesus. That's not at all what the Bible says. It's not at all what it's saying. So don't, don't equate law with obedience. They're not the same thing. 
When you come to Christ, it's not like, well, then I just do whatever I want and obedience doesn't matter and, and how I act. And that's, that's not what Scripture says. That's not what it's about. Law and obedience are not the same thing. The law is the tool that God used to lead us to our need for a Savior. These Christians had used that MAPS app that got them to the Savior, and they forgot to hit end route. And they were still going back and looking at the map when the Savior is right there. Right there. And the banqueting table has been given to them. There he is. Wait, wait. Doesn't that drive you crazy? When it's like you see a family all together and they're just all on their phones and they're not enjoying each other's company? It drives you crazy. It's, it's wrong is what it is. It's wrong. Why were they going back to the maps app? Why were they going back to the law? Because it made them feel comfortable. Why do you go back to the MAPS app? Why do you go back to the law? Why do you go back to other things that put you under slavery? Here's the problem. They were imprisoned by the law. And the law doesn't give life. It reveals our need for the giver of life, Jesus. And once you know the giver of life, or more, as Paul said, once you're known by the giver of life, there's no need to return to the app, to the law, to the religious hoops. And I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying that the Bible is the rule book. When I said don't worship the rule book, worship the ruler. I'm not saying that you don't need the Bible anymore. The law is in the Bible. It's defined in the Bible. It's given to us in the Bible. But the Bible is so much more than just a rule book. It actually is the gift that God has given us where he has very clearly and supernaturally revealed himself to us. Truly, the entire Bible is the revelation of Jesus, by the way. But I will also say this, just as we're on this. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there, and I hope you all catch it in the right way. Don't worship the Bible. Worship the God of the Bible. The Bible is what he's given us to reveal himself to us. But it is he himself that we worship. He gives us the Bible so that we can know God. And in the Bible, when we open up our Bible, we can actually hear God. And in the Bible, we can even encounter Jesus. How many of you know that who the sun sets free is free indeed? How many of you experience that? Like every day. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? What if I told you there are a couple ways of losing that freedom? A couple ways you can lose that freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. One is to slip back into the swamp of the flesh. Because we don't walk in the flesh anymore in Christ Jesus. The whole freedom is, is now we walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit. Our flesh doesn't control us anymore. Our, our fleshly desires... They're not the boss of me now. 
right? I'm not a slave to those, those fleshly desires anymore, and that's why I'm walking in freedom. They don't control me anymore. I'm under the blood of Christ Jesus. I walk by His grace that teaches me to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, that teaches me and helps me and empowers me to live a godly, upright life in this present age. Man, I'm free. I'm free in Christ Jesus. But if we turn back to the flesh, that swamp of the flesh, it's called licentiousness. We're once again slaves to the flesh and those fleshly desires. And when this happens, we lose our freedom. And you all have probably been around that block before. I pray that you haven't. Having been set free from the flesh, that you've never, ever, ever turned back to that and seen it rear its ugly head again in your life. But if you have, you've been around that block, you know what that looks like. It's obvious. When you step back into licentiousness, when you step back into that kind of fleshly swamp of sin, it's obvious. And I pray even right now, if you're, if you're in that swamp of the flesh right now, that the Holy Spirit would just, would just convict you of that, will wake you up, shake you up, if, I, if, if you know what I'm saying, and you step out of that. You're getting ripped off. Your flesh is becoming your slave master again. And if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. You need to be reminded of that. You're free from that. And He's given you all you need to walk in that freedom. But you know what? There's another way that we lose our freedom, and it's called legalism. And it's often the more sneaky way, the, the way that's a little more undetectable that we are losing our freedom or have lost the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And that, that, that whole thing of legalism is, is when we start to once again return to the rules and look to the rules to lead us instead of allowing the Spirit of the living God to lead us and direct us and to move us into holiness and righteousness and into all that God has for us. And this is the primary issue that Paul is finding with the Galatians was legalism. That was their issue. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was reminded of a story this morning. Um, you know, as a pastor, I often, get, I often get asked the question, so do you think it's okay to do this? Do you think it's okay to do that? Is this, is this permissible? Is it okay to drink alcohol? Pastor Eric, how much? How often? Is it okay to go to R-rated movies? What about PG-13? What about ones that don't have, you know, this in or that in it? You know, so I get asked those kind of questions. You know, what's, what's permissible and what's not permissible? And you know what the, the tendency is? I'll give my opinion because I always have an opinion. If you know me, you know I have an opinion. And you love me for that, right? Okay, thank you. Uh, but anyway, I've got my own opinion but the tendency is, is to want to just create a rule book, to look at the crazy, broken society we live in and just create a rule book of the do's and don'ts. So I heard this story. A pastor was approached by one of his uh, parishioners, if you will, and he was asked that question. So, hey, pastor, there's this new movie out, the theaters, and I just don't know, what do you think? Do you think it's okay for a Christian to go to that movie? 
It's kind of questionable. I've heard things, you know, both ways. Can you just tell me if I should or shouldn't go to that movie? And the pastor said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. He's like, what? You're not going to tell me what to do? I thought you were a pastor. I thought this was, you know, religion, church. You're supposed to tell me what to do, right? And the pastor's like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I will advise you on something. Why don't you go to the movie, but take Jesus with you? And why don't you see what Jesus thinks about the movie? And then you can decide if it's the right thing or not. So this guy, this is the way the story goes. The guy, guy goes to the movie theater, and he asks for two tickets. You know what I'm saying? He says he, well, he wants two tickets. So the lady, you know, sells him two tickets. And before she gives him the tickets, go, well, is the other person here yet? You know, how are you going to get them the other ticket? I can hold it right here, kind of will call if you want. Is it your wife, your girlfriend? Who is it that's going to come watch the movie with you? And the guy said, uh, uh, no, no, it's uh, my wife, my, they're not coming. Well, who's it? Who's the other person? So she starts to get a little nosy. How many of you know nosy people, right? She starts to get a little nosy, wants to know who the other ticket's for. And finally, the guy says, well, if you, if you must know, it's for Jesus. And now, I will tell you this, if I was going to the movie with Jesus, I wouldn't buy a second ticket. I'm a little cheap, Okay. I figure he's Jesus, he doesn't need a ticket, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't need a ticket. That will be my mentality on the whole thing. But this guy was a little more, you know, had a little more moral conviction maybe than I did. And he's like, okay, I'm going to buy him. I'm going to take Jesus to the movie, I'm going to buy him a ticket. Well, the woman finally gives him the ticket. The guy goes into the movie with his two tickets, he, himself and Jesus, who's sitting next to him. And, um, and they're about five minutes into the movie, and... He looks over at Jesus and realizes, yeah, this is not the movie that I should be at. And my point is this. That illustration is what, in my view, it looks like to actually walk by the Spirit and not by the rules. I would encourage us as brothers and sisters in the Lord that we would spend more time seeking the heart of God, walking in the very reality that the Spirit of the living God has made His temple, His dwelling within us, that we would be, we would be engaging with God on a very real basis about everything we're dealing with in life instead of spending all of our time trying to make a rule book of all the do's and don'ts that we're going to do and not do. Because I'm telling you, if you listen to God, He's going to let you know what to do and not do. And now we know the obvious things. Don't go to a radar movie, okay? It's trash. We know that kind of stuff. You know if you take Jesus into a radar movie, He's going to say, what are you doing in here? Get yourself out of here. This is disgusting. Why would you ever bring the man of righteousness into such a hellhole? Why would you do that? You can't do that. I'm not going to go with, no. We know those things, right? But you hear what I'm saying. We are so prone to just want to look for rules and create rule books and spend our time doing that instead of listening to the voice of the Lord and actually communing with the living God. Let's go to point two. We're going to look at legalism just a little bit more, and I'm going to roll through these in about 45 minutes. So just hang with me right here. Y'all are like, my barbecue is going to, anyway, I think I'm going to have barbecue for lunch today, Velvet. It sounds really, I just can't get it off my mind after I've been talking about that. But point number two, the losing life of legalism. 
That's what I call point number two, the losing life of legalism. Verse 12, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, Paul says, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. You see, something changed in these people's lives. They had a tight relationship, a relationship of honor and love with Paul, but something changed. Legalism produces hard hearts and makes mean Christians. How about that one? Legalism produces hard hearts and makes mean Christians. Verse 15 again, where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. But now, what is it? They ignore Paul, and they actually show him contempt and dishonor. The very man that brought the gospel to them in the first place, the very man that brought the means of freedom and salvation to them as he brought the gospel of Jesus to them. Now, dishonor, scorn, contempt. We don't need you anymore not important to us. Legalism produces some of the meanest Christians. Christians under legalism replace their love for God and their love for others with a love for rules. They just do. A love for rules. And they're willing to run over anyone in pursuit of following their own religious rules. Whatever they put in place. I'm going to keep this generic. But I thought about this. I was talking to one of the sisters here in the church over the course of the past month or so. And she came from a church that was run on legalism. It was all about performance. How often are you showing up? Are you wearing the right thing? Are you saying the right thing? Are you volunteering enough? We're going to get in your life. We're going to, we're going to look under every little nook and crane. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make sure you're measuring up. And she told me that she was terrified that someday the pastor would call her into his office. Because she was convinced if the pastor was going to call anybody in his office, it was all about smacking them down, coming down heavy with the hammer of religion and do's and don'ts and condemnation and how they've fallen short. That was what she expected. So she lived her Christian life motivated by fear. Decades motivated by fear. Focused on rules instead of focused on, on love, God's love for her. Afraid of her pastor instead of feeling covered and cared for by him. It's the kind of thing legalism produces. mean Christianity. Legalism is the thing that justifies the priest and the Levite as they walk by that man who's all bloodied on the side of the road. 
oh, we've got important religious stuff we're going to. We've got important religious stuff we're doing. Love is what motivates the Good Samaritan to stop and care for him. Legalism produces mean Christians. Legalism also robs us of joy. How many of you know? Have, how many of you have experienced that in your own life? You're so caught up in legalism that you lose the joy of the Lord. Spend all your time looking at the rules instead of looking at the beautiful face of Jesus. Instead of his grace. Next thing is legalism produces division and discord. Verse 16. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul says to these, these Christians, this church that he's helped plant, right? Those people are zealous to win you over. Those religious people are. Those Judaizers are, are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, from other brothers and sisters in the Lord. They want to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them, for their denomination, for their movement. Verse 18, it is fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I am with you. So look, legalism robs us of relationships and fellowship with one another. Legalism is an enemy of Christian unity. It just is. Legalism doesn't bring together. Legalism separates When our focus isn't on the oneness that we have in Christ that we talked about last week, the focus becomes the rules. And our status within the, in the body of Christ becomes how well are we following those rules. And are we following the right rules, the right way? Knowledge puffs up while love builds up, it says in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge says, I know better. I know better. If you really love God, man, you're going to do it this way. Let me put that burden on you right now. If you really love God, then you're going to do it this way. That's what legalism does. This is what causes church splits, causes divisions. Y'all heard the story about the Baptist. He was marooned on, a, on, a, on an island all by himself, this little island, he's all by himself, and finally a ship comes by, and he, they discover this guy on an island all by himself, and there were three different huts on this island, right? And they're like, well, there's just one of you. What, what's up with the three different huts? And, and he said, well, one is where I live. The other is where I go to church. And they're like, what about the third one? That, well, he said, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> you know? And... I just think it's a, I think it's a funny picture how, how the main reason, so many of the main reasons of church splits is because churches take their focus off of Jesus and put their focus on rules and religion. The greatest commandment is not to follow rules. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like Unto that, love others. Love others.
Legalism draws us away from God. Verse 19, my dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth. Like, why am I having to go through this all again? I thought we already gave birth to you. I thought you were already walking with Jesus. I thought you were already growing up. But no, look, he says, look, I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. See, legalism robs us of intimacy with God. We become distracted. We become pulled away. We, We end up getting just ripped off again. We forfeit the very gift that we've received. We, we forfeit the prize as we go back into the rules. Legalism takes us backwards. I'm going to conclude now, and I'm just going to say that what I'm not saying and what Paul is not saying, and you're going to hear this in chapters 5 and 6, Paul is not saying that obedience to God And obedience to his law isn't important. Because at the end of the day, it is. And again, you're going to see that in chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians. But we got to always remember, following the rules isn't what got us saved. It isn't. And trying to keep yourself saved by following the rules isn't what keeps you saved. Jesus saved you. Your work didn't save you. The work of Christ saved you. That's why it's good news. That's why it's called the gospel. And it's the work of Christ that keeps you saved. Now, we're going to see as we, as we move forward in, in what Paul is saying here, and, and if we could do a whole five-hour, six, seven-hour sermon, which if y'all would sign up for that, I would do it every single week. But um, anyway, we could do that, and we could go all through this in one shot. But I just want to say this, that your good works don't save you. Jesus saves you. But when Jesus saves you, Everything changes. Everything changes. And you find yourself not only wanting to do what is right, not only wanting to do what pleases God, but you find yourself a new creation in Christ Jesus, set free and empowered by His powerful grace to actually do the things that you want to do, to please Him where you couldn't please Him before. You're going to see that as we look at the fruit of the Spirit in the coming weeks. We're saved by God's amazing grace. We remain saved by His amazing grace. Now, I just want to ask you to look at your life even right now. Maybe you just don't need to close your eyes just to be able to think about this and just really, to really examine yourself right now. Is there something in your life that's taken preeminence over Christ? Something else getting the best of you, getting your first and your best. If so, you've probably become a slave to that. And that's not the inheritance that God has for you. 
Go to him and ask him to help you process through that and to walk in freedom in that area. Another question is, have you found yourself a slave to religion? Are you trying to finish in the flesh what God began in the spirit? My encouragement is is to return to grace. Return to love. It's God who saved you. And it's God who keeps you saved. Let's stand up.